we've heard this phrase, or at least I have my whole life. We all have the same 24 hours. It's just a matter of what we do with it. And I oh, really, yeah, that's, that's not that's true. The, I was going to say, that's true. like the entrepreneur motto, right? Right. And it's bullshit. It is bullshit because oh my goodness, has 24 hours times all the 24 hours of each assistant that he has. And I don't know how many he has, but I imagine he has four or five. So Elon, what is 24 times five? I don't even know. I can't go that high in my head, but (laughs) um, you know, I mean, so Elon in every one of Elon's days, he has at least 200 hours. You are listening to the We Are Not Safe for Work podcast. Your hosts, Renee and Nadja, will dive into all the different reasons why some entrepreneurs become unemployable. And hello, Nadja. Good afternoon, Renee. How the heck are you doing? I am the the heck doing life. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm like, how do you respond to that? Really? Like... When when somebody asks, how are you, the knee-jerk reaction is, I'm fine. But are you really fine? No, everything everything here is fine. It's just, it's been a busy week. And so mentally, I have a lot of mental fatigue mm-hmm. with all of the gymnastics that have been, the mental gymnastics that have been happening up here. But it's all, it's all fine. Like it's, it's good. It's just a lot. <laughs> Well, I, I think that's a good question. I think that's one of the things that makes me fairly awkward is that when people ask me how I'm doing, I generally tend to tell them. And that's not what How I does that make you awkward? Well, because that's not what people expect. When people when someone asks you how you doing, people expect to go, you know, I'm doing pretty good today. Or I'm doing all right. Not like, man, to- things are total shit and my analytics went to hell. <laughs> well, <laughs> I envy you for being able to do that because once again, like I'm probably with maybe the majority of the people who you say I'm fine because that is the expected answer. Even if you want to talk about how shitty everything is going, the knee-jerk reaction is I'm fine and then you feel crappy about it because you want to talk about it. But now it's like, how do I bring up the topic of well, you asked me how I was doing, but really I'm kind of bummed out. But now we're talking about something else and I don't want to just be like, oh, by the way, your question of how how am I, can I change it? <laughs> can yeah, we talk can about me for a second? <laughs> right. I, I, think, I think people should stop asking the question. Yeah. I really or, do. Or it's phrase it in a different way. If you're asking how someone is, it's, you know, how are you mentally? How are you physically? How's work? How is school? Like, you know, like, let's be more specific because that generalization of how are you? I, I don't know. I feel like that's, that's maybe we're overthinking it. That's really what it comes down to. Like you and I are just spiraling here, but <laughs> yeah, I'd say I'm but definitely I don't, spiraling in general. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I just got an email from my wife as we started this that said, thank you for this information, but my brain cannot handle any more things. Oh, so. my God. Oh, my gosh. You know, that should be an autoresponder. Mm-hmm. I agree. That's a great autoresponder. When somebody sends an email, it's like, thank you for this information, but my brain currently cannot process this. I will respond to you when my brain is capable of processing what you sent me. 
Exactly. Yeah, I think that would be really smart because it's true. I mean, I think that is amazing. Yeah. Andy, yeah. you were brilliant. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's how it is right now because information is coming at us in such a pace. Mm -hmm. And the change is so dramatic that um, it's just too much to keep up with. I, I, you just have to eventually just stop. Yeah. Like who has the time to process this every five seconds? Like every time something changes and if it is a rapid fire sequence, like in rapid fire sequence, mm -hmm. like who has, who has that kind of time to just be like, I'm pivoting, I'm pivoting, I'm pivoting, I'm pivoting. Well, that's been my year. So I know it sounds funny, but it's like Andy and I were talking about this um, last weekend because we went to have dinner with a friend and it's not something we do very often these days. Uh -huh. And we were talking about it and she thought she was doing me this huge favor by scheduling this dinner with this friend that I adore and love. And it was really nice. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. I said, we're in such a state with the business that I have no mental capacity left. So my friends and my family aren't hearing from me much. It's not that I don't love them. It's not that I don't think about them. It's that I have no capacity left to speak, to be interactive. I really struggle because all of my energy and all of my brain has been focused on what to do to save the business. And at the end of the day, the only thing I have left is brain space to completely zone out in front of the TV. And if I didn't have that TV time, I don't think I would mentally make it. Mm, see, and it's, it's funny you say that because I am the complete opposite. Like I go in the complete other direction. If I am overwhelmed and just, you know, at my, at my mental capacity, um, f with work related stuff, the first thing that I do is I need to schedule time with my friends or I need to schedule time with my family. And so we've actually implemented a, um, a friends Friday. Uh, I can't nice. remember if we've talked about this before, but yeah, no. so we have like every Friday, it's an open invitation for our friends that, hey, after 5 p.m., um, our house is open. Bring the kids, we'll do a dinner, and we'll just hang out, just hang out and chat. Like nothing, it's going to be super casual. It's nothing formal. It's not a party. It's just come over. Like if you want to be around other people, just come over. And so um, we've actually been doing it pretty consistently. It's usually That's at our amazing. house. Yeah. So our friends, you know, like I'll send a text message on Thursday just being like, hey, anybody up for Friends Friday tomorrow? And um, sometimes it's just one, you know, one family. Sometimes it's multiple families. And it's great because it is my way of completely disconnecting from everything work related because work just crowds my thoughts mm -hmm. you know what like 18 hours a day <laughs> yeah totally I get that um that's really awesome I I wish that I could be in that place right now but that's just not where I'm at yeah yeah I don't um, know if it's a place though like I think it's just our coping mechanisms are very different like well, you that, yeah you need to veg out in front of the tv and I can't like if I sit in front of the TV and I use that as my way to escape work, it actually makes me hyper focus on all of the worries that I have that are related to work. 
Yeah, you know, it's funny. I feel like usually we wa- I watch about three episodes of something a night. Uh-huh. Maybe more. Last night we started early. So um, I actually watch more. But it takes me two episodes to calm down. And then oh. the third episode, I'm usually pretty chill. And then that's when I can start considering going to sleep. Mm, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, I have to get really engrossed into the show and just let everything go for a little while. Um, yeah. And then I can start to relax a little bit so that I can consider sleep. So um, you... You and my husband are very similar in that aspect because um, he's the same way. Like he'll, he uses TV or movies. He uses like, you know, shows Uh as his way of decompressing. Whereas me, I can't, like he'll sit there and he'll just watch. I mean, (laughs) crazy, right? Like somebody sits in front of the TV and just watches an episode or watches a movie and that's all they focus on. That's insane. Well, yeah. <laughs> in today's age, it is a little insane because I am the typical millennial, geriatric millennial, that'll sit in front of the TV. A show is on, but I'm like scrolling through my phone at the same time. So I'm half paying attention to the TV. I'm half paying attention to the phone. Um, yeah, I can't. If I'm sitting there and I'm only paying attention to the phone, I am the person that's like, making comments of, oh, well, that's completely unrealistic. Or I can't believe that they the writers took it that way. Well, let's see, like, what were the writers thinking about when they were right. writing this episode? You know, like, that. that's what happens to me if, I, if I'm forced to focus on just one thing. But if I go to the movies, like, if I go to a movie theater, yeah, I can absolutely sit there and watch just the movie and my focus is on the movie. But it takes everything in me to like stop myself from having a conversation, like asking questions to the person I'm watching it with because I want to talk about it. But I know that theater etiquette is very different from when you're watching it at home. So, and I try not to be annoying about it, but that's just, that's just how I am. And he is very different in terms of like focus and how to process and things like that. So Mm -hmm. it's just interesting that, you know, even if you're having the same overwhelming thoughts, like if you're just so worried about business and you're so worried about your company, we have very different approaches to decompressing from it. (laughs) Yeah, totally. I also am very interactive with the TV. So I tend to um, exclaim and holler (laughs) yeah, <laughs> a lot. Like I can't believe yeah. that this happened, or like, oh my god, please don't fall down. You know, whatever. Uh, yeah, because um, we watch a lot of action. Um, I try to stay. Mm-hmm. This year in particular, I've tried to stay away from drama because I don't want anything yeah. emotional on top of all of my emotions. So, like, if it's gonna, oh if sure, any yeah. chance that's gonna make me cry, I'm out. I'm not gonna watch it. I don't want to yeah, be a no nothing, emotionally nothing Right. Yeah. Like basically you're not, it's not like you're sitting there watching The Handmaid's Tale, right? <laughs> right. Or The Well. You know that movie, The Well? That's oh my gosh. I watched See? that on the plane. Yeah. No. Yeah. Can't no, I, I watched it on the plane and I didn't know what I was getting. Like I knew it was supposed to be like a drama, you know, but drama, it 
it's so many different things, right? No, I was like ugly crying in my seat on the plane and my seat thankfully yeah no yeah and thankfully my seatmate um there was an empty seat in between us so like he was he was sitting at the window and I was in the aisle seat and there was no um there was nobody in between us but you know like I'm I'm like oh my god like just sobbing and he kind of looks over at me he's got his headphones on I've got my headphones on but he gives me the like are you okay kind of motion and I'm like it's the movie it's I'm fine (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah see that's the thing and I think if anybody's listening to this I want them to understand something the only reason that I can handle the high stress of the business is because a I'm surrounded by people who are really there for me the people Mm -hmm. that I am interacting with but also I'm extremely um protective of my mental health yeah well I know what is good what is bad for me just like mm-hmm. you know we each have to know what it is that we can do and right I can only handle the business stress because I'm so protective of my emotional and mental well-being right I don't I'm not like saying that I'm detached from people or that I'm watching tv because I'm on the edge I'm actually in a really good emotional and mental place um because I know that this is where my energy has to be this year this year is the most volatile, most important business year that I will probably ever have in my life. And I knew it when the year started. And so I said, this is how I cope. And this is what I have to do. And the people that love me and the people that are my dearest friends are going to have to still be my dearest friends when this is over because we have a literal end date to all of this. Um yeah, so- I will say that is amazing self-awareness because that's the kind of stuff that like my therapist would be telling me, this is what you need to figure out. Like you need to decide um, or you you need to define X, Y, and Z. You need to figure out what makes you happy or what your um, your coping mechanisms are. Like you need to be more aware of this kind of stuff. But the fact that you're just you know this about yourself and you know how to communicate it to people and they know how to respond appropriately. Like that's just, that's phenomenal. You are kudos to you. Like I'm bowing. (laughs) Well, I mean, it would be great if at the end of this year I could say it all paid off, you know, and the business soared. I don't, I don't think that's what's going to happen. But at least I know that I gave it everything I had because you know what would be terrible is if I just kept going like I was and I didn't do all of the things that I knew I needed to try to do to turn things around. Sometimes you just can't turn things around, you know, Right. the phone book company probably did everything they could to still get phone books in people's houses. But there came a point when it was just done. They were done, you know. Yeah. We've talked about the phone book before and that's just the way it is. So. Mm hmm. Well, and Blockbuster, you know, there oh, yeah, there were totally. so many ways that Blockbuster could have pivoted so that Netflix didn't just stomp them into the ground. Right. But but you know, like that's that's def I'm sure the the big wigs at Blockbuster were thinking, we should have tried this, we should have done this. Like there's so many things that they they are saying, um, shoulda, coulda, woulda, you know. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and you won't have any of that because no. the things you should have, could have, would have, you did it, did it, did it. <laughs> That's true. Let me tell you, when we started, when I bought Cooking Chew, because we bought Cooking Chew when it was a baby little website, 
And then we've grown it into um, almost 3,000 as of today. What did I just say? 2,987 posts? Yes, that's amazing. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah. So when we bought it, it had, I think, 100, maybe somewhere roughly around 100. Anyway, when we bought it, my intention was very specific. I had a highly specific goal, which was to build an SEO blog that was not about me. Because I already mm. owned the brand about me, which mm -hmm. is like this blogging, right? Yep. And I wanted to have a brand that I grew, that grew into basically our retirement fund. And it was yeah. not specific to me so that it would be super easy to sell. Right, right. Exactly. Well, guess what? Blogging doesn't work that way anymore. And now you have to have a person, you have to have a brand and you can call mm -hmm. me, you can email me all you want and tell me that's still not true. And that's fine. We can talk about it. Email me. Let's, let's talk about it. Um, but that's just, we'll not put her email anymore. address in the show notes. <laughs> I'm totally okay with that. Um, Renee inspired Renee underscore inspired on Twitter. I'm sorry, on X. The, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to yeah. say Twitter. What's Twitter? No, I'm kidding. Right. Yeah. I heard an interview, which this can segue into what we're really here to talk about today. But I heard an interview. I was listening to it last night with Elon Musk. Um, he was being interviewed on another podcast, mm -hmm. the All In podcast. And he was talking about X. And he himself kept saying Twitter. And then he started cracking up every time he would do it. He'd be like, oh, my Lord, I can't believe I just said that. He wasn't saying, oh, my Lord. But whatever it was, his well, explanation. Right, yeah. And um, he kept doing it over and over again. He'd be like, well, if you look on Twitter.com, and he'd be like, no, no, X, X. <laughs> oh and my I just gosh. thought that was great. So, yeah. It's gonna well, see, that's, that's a testament to branding, right? Absolutely. Like, that is so ingrained in everybody's brains that it's just, it's hard to change it. It's hard to change. It, it's kind of like, um, like a great example is there's a movie theater near us when it was built, it was called the Silverado. My husband and I still refer to that movie theater as the Silverado movie theater. It is now Regal. Like it's now owned by oh, Regal uh -huh. or whatever. Yeah. But the funny thing is if you go to Google and you look up Silverado Tomball, it's, it pops up. It still pops up. Like it That's points funny. to the right place, yeah. but you know, once again, it's because the branding was so good that that's, that's what stuck in our heads. Yeah. I think that, um, I think that happens a lot. Like mm -hmm. in Texas, if you say, if you're at a restaurant and they ask you, you know, what do you want to drink? You might say a Coke, I'll take some Coke, just bring me Dr. Pepper. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, because certain things mean certain things at some point. The branding means a certain thing, even mm -hmm. though you mean something different. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Mm -hmm. Did you know, I know this is another segue. Like, seriously, did, did we just, we're squirreling. Yeah, um, we're squirreling. So, so here, it, it, well, a great example of like things in Texas that are just kind of not, they're just known. It's just general knowledge, right? Like you go to a restaurant, you go to a fast food place or whatever. And when they ask you, what do you want to drink? And you say, I, I want a tea. Usually the only clarifying question they have is sweet or unsweet, right? Right. Right. Okay. So when we went to Australia, I had gotten so used to just saying, I want a tea, right? So oh, when no. we went on vacation to Australia, 
you have to specify if you want hot tea or iced tea. If you say tea, they will bring you hot tea. If you say sweet tea, they will bring you the, um, oh, what is it? it? It's like the bottled nest tea, you know, like it's like totally fake iced tea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, that's right. not tea, by the way. That is that's not tea. not tea. Uh-huh. Yeah. But that's, that's like saying Sunny Delight is orange juice. Right. Exactly. Yes. That was exactly where I was going with that. It's just, it's so ingrained in us that here in Texas, you ask for tea, they, they're going to bring you iced tea. You have to specify hot tea, but in other countries, it's the other way around. You ask for tea, they will bring you hot tea. <laughs> it, not only is that so true that I think if you went to an average restaurant, let's say you went to a barbecue place and mm-hmm. you asked for hot tea, I think they would stare at you blankly. Oh, yeah. They'd, they'd be like, what? You, do you want me to put it in no the microwave? <laughs> what, not wanting any ice? What do you right, do you mean? Right. Exactly. Do you mean no ice? That's funny. But to go back, to kind of like rein it all back in. So you were talking about Elon Musk. We were talking about time. Oh, yes. And okay. we were talking about different coping mechanisms or or our different ways of approaching things. So mm-hmm. um, you had a great topic that you wanted to bring up. And I just I, – I want you to introduce it because I think it's phenomenal. It's a great thing for us to chat about today. Okay. So Walter Isaacson is a famous author. He has written biographies. He's the one that wrote the Steve Jobs biography. Um, it, did you ever read that by any chance or hear that? I audio? did. Yes, okay. I did. Yeah. Okay. He did. He's done um, Benjamin Franklin. Um, I think Leonardo. He's done some very famous books. He's a very famous biographer. And he did, he spent three years with Elon Musk and he did the Elon Musk biography. Now I haven't read it. I think it came out on Tuesday of this week. Um, but he's Oh, like doing, so super recent. Oh yeah. Yeah. This week. It came out this week, I believe on Tuesday. Um, he's been doing, Walter Isaacson has been doing press for it, of course, as authors that are big authors like him actually get the opportunity to do. And he was talking, I was listening to him on a, a snippet of him on the Lex Friedman podcast. And Lex Friedman, which is not somebody I'm particularly um, familiar with, but he asked Isaacson about Elon's productivity because we famously hear a lot about it, about how Elon spends his time, about you know how he is chairman and CEO of so many companies, right? I mean, right. What, at least six, right? I think. Yeah. And so he was asking, what is the deal with his time and, and how to, what can we learn from his time management? And I, I said, we can't learn anything from his time management because the average person does not have the same kind of time abilities as Elon does. Because, and, and Isaacson brought up a really good example. He said, listen, he said, sitting here in this interview right now, I am thinking about the fact that my daughter, Isaacson's daughter, just found a house that he emailed, she emailed to him that she thinks she wants to buy. And I guess mm-hmm. somehow this involves him. I'm not sure. And so he said, so in the middle of this interview, I'm thinking about, you know, this house and I'm trying not to, I'm trying to focus on this interview. Right. But Elon doesn't have to think about other things. So Elon has assistants that are there to think about things for him. He doesn't have to think about what is next. 
He doesn't have to think mm. about how to schedule something. He doesn't mm-hmm. have to think about any of these things. The only thing that Elon Musk has to think about is what he is doing in that moment. Because right. he has so many assistants that help him with everything else. Yeah. And this got me to yeah. think it hit me so hard in that moment. We've heard this phrase, or at least I have my whole life. We all have the same 24 hours. It's just a matter of what we do with it. And I really, oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's true. The, I was going to say, true. that's like the entrepreneur motto, right? Right. And it's bullshit. It's it is. Totally bullshit. Because oh, my goodness. Elon has 24 hours times all the 24 hours of each assistant that he has. And I don't know how many he has, but I imagine he Holy has crap. four or five. So Elon, what is 24 times five? I don't even know. I can't go that high in my head. But um, <laughs> You know, I mean, so Elon, in every one of Elon's days, he has at least 200 hours compared to the average person, most likely, because Elon doesn't think about what he's going. Elon has food brought to him. Right. Yeah, I was going to say he probably has like a house manager and then he has somebody that only handles like his appointments and his food his travel details and then some and then a driver that, you know, that only their only focus is making sure that he gets from point A to point B at the right times. And yeah, you're absolutely right. It's so we all need to give ourselves a damn break because yes, with money comes brain and time freedom and not Mm -hmm. the freedom to just do everything you want, but the freedom to not have to think about it. Because listen, if you, I assume you will feed your family tonight somehow. You are lamped, yep. right? One yep. of you two is going to be in charge of getting the food. But yes. it's not just a matter of here's the food. It's the matter of what will the food be? Where will the yep. food come from? Will we yep. go to the grocery store? Will we drive? Yes. Do we have gas uh-huh. in the car to get to the grocery store? Or do we need yep. to get gas along the way? Elon never has to think about those things. So when you think to yourself, how in the hell does this man run six companies? Well, it's because he probably has personal assistants, personal, personal assistants, and then he has assistants for each company, right? Oh, my goodness. And people like that also don't have very much perspective because Isaacson told this story that he was at um, the SpaceX launch pad or something, some something I didn't really fully understand. And mm-hmm. he, it was a Friday night and he was there and there wasn't very many people there with him. And Elon said, where's everybody at? And we need to solve this problem. I'm here because there's a problem. Where is everyone? And they're like, well, it's 10 o'clock on a Friday night. And he's like, well, by in the morning, I want 200 people here working so that we can solve this problem. So now he just multiplied his time times his 24 hours by 200 people. Mm-hmm. And we need to remember that because there's so much pressure in the entrepreneurial space and not just in the entrepreneurial space. Maybe you're listening to this and you have a corporate job. Maybe you're Mm -hmm. listening to this and you're a stay at home mom. Don't think just because you're a stay at home mom, you have more time. No, you sure don't. Right. And I just think that we all need to give ourselves a damn break. Yeah, no, that's, that's so good. So you just got my, brain juice is flowing because it it makes me think about, I'm sure everybody and their mother right now, (laughs) well, not everybody and their mother, but right now there's like uh, the TV show Suits is trending on Netflix. Oh, I love that show. Yeah. Like everybody's binge watching it. So we've seen it before and, or if you have seen it before, you're probably watching it again. Um, We are in that bubble. We are 
watching it again. Okay. Um, a lot of the episodes, like my husband hasn't seen the whole series all the way through. Um, I have. Oh, uh, yeah, me too. I haven't, yeah. I haven't been rewatching it, but I've heard that everybody is, and I don't know why. What's going on? Well, I don't know. I think it's just, it, it, it was just, um, it, I don't know. It just got picked up on Netflix, and then it was showing up as the uh, featured or trending yeah. or whatever. So people are yeah. having nostalgia. Like they're like, oh, I remember watching that show. That show's great. Let's watch it again. Um, but it just reminds me of, you know, like if you, if you watch the show, I mean, obviously, <laughs> uh, in terms of how accurately it represents like a true law firm, it does not. But if you look at it from a work perspective, right? Comparing it to Elon Musk, the, the people on the show are really good at delegating. Like that's really what Elon's good at. He's good at delegating because everybody, like all of the senior partners, right? They, they basically, they go out and they they have a case. They look at the case and then they tell the um, the new associates, go research everything you can about this, 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 and this. And then the, in, the interns, the associates, they go and research, right? So the only thing that that lawyer has to think about is their experience, their knowledge on it, because they're depending on the associates to basically fill in the gaps of their knowledge. Right. Right? Because they're focusing on how do I build this case and then defend it. Right. Yeah. And so they're not the ones like reading through all these other case files. They're not the ones going through all of the documents and things like that. Like they have people to do that and those people come back and fill them in on the information. And then if they want to make sure that they – actually know and comprehend all of the information then yeah they'll they'll read the the case like the previous cases or other cases or whatever but what's happening is they are lessening the time it takes for them to go through 50 cases because the associates have brought back 3 that will help them defend their argument so now yeah. all they're focusing on is 3 like researching the three things instead of the 50 things. That's right. It's exactly the same reason that Elon wanted 200 people. Yeah. Morning is because it's not like Elon was going to stand there and solve the problem. Right. He's going to project management, project manage the solving of the problem. Really? Yeah. Now he is oddly hands-on, so I will give him that. Sure, Um, sure. But the other thing too about suits that I think, and I think about, it's funny you bring this up because I actually think about Harvey quite a bit. When I'm thinking yeah. about my daily life, Harvey didn't do anything. Another, and what I mean by that is, if you looked at Harvey's apartment, because there was a lot of scenes in his apartment, he has um, someone who changes his sheets daily. Uh huh. Right. I remember he has that. a driver. Me, he has a driver. He doesn't mm-hmm. have to do anything but spend his time thinking. Yeah. Right. Yep. And so. Yep. He doesn't clean his house. He doesn't think about his food. He doesn't think about his coffee. Everything is ready for him so that the only thing he has to do is think. Yeah. That's his whole job. Yep. And lots of us have a job where our job is to think, but we don't have the freedom to do nothing but think. Right. So we shouldn't compare ourselves to people who have more 
I hate to use the word privilege, but pri- pri- it kind is. Of it is absolutely a privilege. Yes. Right. So I, I, mean, I don't know. It just hit me when I was listening to Walter talk about Elon's time that we don't have the same damn. No, we sure don't. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, you just blew my mind. <laughs> yeah, it blew mine too. I mean, really, it's just like, and and it's funny because okay. That's knowledge. That's an idea. We need to give ourselves a break, but it doesn't help us compete. It doesn't help mm-hmm. us do more. So what is the moral of the story? Is it to take all of your money and hire help to free up your time? I mean, m- most people don't have the money for that. I would love to have a chef. Yeah. Don't have the yeah. money for that. I'd love to have a house cleaner. I can't even afford a damn house cleaner. Um, right. Because this house is too big. It's so big that it's expensive to get it cleaned. I know this sounds oh, funny. Yeah. But, um. No, right there with you. Yeah, because we used to have a house cleaner and we were like, it didn't feel right. I felt like the, and this is going to sound funny, but I felt like the house cleaner should be paid more than what they were charging. <laughs> it just didn't feel morally right to pay them that amount to clean this mm-hmm. giant house um, and to, fi- to pay what it felt de- was deserving. We couldn't afford it. So right. not paying a house cleaner because we used to have yeah. one and something about it just didn't feel right. Well, we've talked about this before, how, you know, really in life, just life, right? There are two currencies. There are two currencies. We pay for, we pay in time or we pay in money. And we pay in money to get back more time. I think maybe we need to invent some more currencies here. And why I say that yeah. is because if, well, no, I right. agree. <laughs> if we go back to what I was saying earlier is that I'm not having, I don't have the mental capacity to try to save our business and be an amazing friend. Yep. Or family yeah. member right now. And I hate that. I hate admitting it, but it's the truth. So I can either pretend that I'm trying or I can say this is where my energy is going. So mm-hmm. what is that currency? Is that emotional I, intelligence? Is that emotional I, currency? Yeah. We I have mean, time, I, we have money, but we have more than that too. We have our spirit. We have, yep. um, there, there's more currencies that, than we're discussing, I guess is yeah. what I'm starting to think. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think adding, um, emotional capacity as a currency Sure. I think, or a mental capacity. Mental, mental capacity. capacity. Yes, mental. Because you pay in mental capacity too. So if you don't have the time and you don't have the money, you're paying in your mental capacity. But if you have money and you have – or if, if you don't have money and you don't have mental capacity, you're paying in time. So I'm, I'm trying to like figure out, how, okay, how does it make sense? And no, I think – I think mental capacity could absolutely be an additional currency that we pay with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're onto something here. There are Maybe. three currencies in life. Yeah. I mean, and and I'm not I'm not saying that we have to box ourselves into, well, it's only these three, right? But they're very important things. Time, money, and mental capacity. Those are incredibly crucial components of just surviving, right? Just right. surviving. Not even thriving, but just surviving life. You sure. need to and have 
all I three. Think you, can, you can, they're like levers too, right? Because yes. you, can one, you can push one up, pull one down. You can, mm-hmm. it's like um, equalizing, right? On an yeah. equalizer, which I've never understood how to use that in a stereo, but I always thought stereos that came out with those were so cool, but never yeah. really did much for me. Um, I, I always, um, I've always used the, or not always, but the analogy of conveyor belts, that mm-hmm. that makes more sense to me because yeah, if you have time on a, on one conveyor belt, money on another conveyor belt, and then um, mental capacity on another conveyor belt, you can adjust them exactly how you said, you know, with the levers, we can speed up different things and slow down other things. But ideally, you want everything to be running on that conveyor belt pretty smoothly, right? You want it to, but I don't know if that's realistic. Um, and, I don't think it's realistic in, at all. <laughs> I, I, I'll bring in another example when it comes to um, marriage, right? Uh-huh. One of my friends who's been married much longer than me, um, she told me when, when Andy and I got married, she was, she was talking to me and um, she said, I want to talk to you about this. She said, because I think it's important. She mm-hmm. said, rarely ever in your marriage will the effort that you're putting into your relationship be 50-50. She said, that'll be the most rare thing that ever happens. Mm-hmm. Someday, Andy's going to be giving 90% to the relationship and you're going to be given 10% because that's just how it works out. And someday yeah. it's going to be you giving 90% and she's going to be giving yep. 10%. And mm-hmm. And some days, both of you can only give 20%. <laughs> That's right. And so it's not 50-50. It's not designed mm-hmm. to be 50-50. That's not even the point of marriage. And right. I think that we need to understand that life works that way too. And I think that's one yeah. of my biggest lessons for this year is that sometimes you have to push up one conveyor belt and slow down the other. And then mm-hmm. the other one is kind of skipping a little you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's okay. And I think that we need it to all, we need to all understand that's okay. And I think that that's, that's the point. And that's mm-hmm. how life goes, no matter what we want. That's just the reality. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. Um, that reminds me of the, uh, oh, is it called the four agreements? Have you read that book? Familiar? No, but it sounds familiar. Um, so the four agreement, it's a very short book. It's like super, super thin. Um, but there, it talks about like the, the four agreements to live by. Okay. And, and they're, um, darn it. I brought it up and now I have to think about it. (laughs) Okay. Um, the, the, well, the agreements are like, um, one of one of the agreements that always resonates with me is the always do your best. Right. So. I mean, that that seems pretty straightforward. Always do your best. But they do specify that when you are doing your best, your best changes day-to-day, situation to situation. So sometimes there are gonna there are going to be times where your best is only 20%. But that is the best that you can do based on the current situation and the things happening around you, right? But your best when things are going great and the energy around you is really high, like your best could be 120%. You know what I mean? Like, so the always do your best agreement is it's not so clear. Like it's, it's not as straightforward as it seems. It's, 
always do your best based on what your best is in that moment. That's right. Yeah. Um, one of the other agreements is um, uh, it's like, don't be sensitive. Wait, not sensitive. Don't be sensitive. Um, oh, don't uh, don't think don't take things personally. Okay, see, now I have to look this up to make sure that I'm telling everyone the right thing because I don't want to be talking about the four agreements um, and giving the wrong advice. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Um, What are the four agreements of life? It is be impeccable with your word. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions and always do your best. So I was right about the always do your best and the... um, Read them Don't take time. things personally. Be impeccable with your word. Don't take things personally. Don't make assumptions. And always do your best. Hmm. That's so interesting it, because... It's a way to simplify things, right? Yeah. But but once again, like I said, the, the thing that always, always stuck with me after reading the four agreements was the always do your best. I, I think that was something I needed to hear at the time that I had been reading it um, because, you know, like I said, your best changes from situation to situation. So it's always do your best when your best, when it's your best according to whatever's happening around you. So if you're very stressed out and you can like your best is just I can only do one thing, just one thing. I can only complete one task. Well, that is your best in that moment. And you need to give yourself a pat on the back. Yeah, I'll give you a a perfect example of that. Like how I said I've not been as social this year, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But obviously rule circumstances change the circumstance. Yes, right. they do. Absolutely. Um, I think I mentioned the last, I don't know if I mentioned on the podcast, but I know I told you last week that a friend of mine died. Yeah. And um, and it's a very sad death. And not mm-hmm. that all deaths are not sad, but it was a just truly accident, right? Right. And he drowned and it was just so sad. But anyway, um, I, I really like this guy and I hadn't been talking to him. His name is Rob, the one that died. And I haven't been talking to him as much as I normally do, well, like with mm-hmm. everyone else this year. But I still, he was one of the few people that even though it might have just been once a month that I still tried actively to keep in my brain because his friendship is important to me. And I try a little bit yeah. with everybody as best as I can. But when he died, I reached out to his husband. Now, th- right now, because his husband is just really going through it, obviously. Yeah. Um, I didn't talk to his husband that much. I wasn't as good of a friend with his husband. I was really good friends with Rob and mm-hmm. knew his husband because Rob and I are friends. Right, but right. His husband has been reaching out to me. And my understanding is that he's not reaching out to many other people in the circle. So when when Lawrence reaches out to me, the world stops. That's the end. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. I don't care what I'm yeah. working on. I'm responding to Lawrence. And in that moment, yeah. I am 100% present for Lawrence. Because that is not a normal circumstance, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And so if Lawrence wants to talk to me, I don't care what I'm doing. I'm going to talk to Lawrence because Lawrence Mm -hmm. lost his husband. And that you can't get much more urgent or much more um, tragic than that. So you also, that's when you kick in a lever, right? Um, Yes. This is the thing. Let me slam this one down, put this one up. 
And I think that's sometimes how it works. You know, the most urgent wins. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that's a great example, as tragic as it is. Um, but, you know, that's that's reality, though, right? Like, that's that happens every mm-hmm. single day, every single moment. Something that is happening to someone in the world. Absolutely. Yeah. It's kind of like sight so. that. And in blogging, there's there's no true emergencies in blogging except for when your site is down. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Yeah. If it's been hacked or if it's down. Yeah. Those are the true blogging emergencies. And that's it. Uh-huh. Everything else is just a a situation. So, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So that was something um I was uh recording. I was a guest on another podcast earlier today and mm-hmm. one of the things so it was a podcast about blogging which is the reason why it got brought up. Um but you know I was talking about different productivity techniques and like how to develop SOPs in a blogging business whether you are a solopreneur or you have a big team, right? Right. And um and one of the things that I was explaining was the Pomodoro technique, which I know you're familiar with. Um, mm-hmm. But basically, you you focus, you do focus work for 25 minutes, which means you focus on one thing. Any distractions that come in, you write it down on a piece of paper or a post-it note, and then you set it aside because you're going to deal with it later. Like you're, there's no switching tasks. It's you right. are focused on this one thing. And then after 25 minutes, if you haven't completed the task, you still take a break. So 25 minutes, you take a five-minute break. You walk away from what you're doing, and then you come back in five minutes. So that, that your break is a little bit – optional, by the way. The break is not optional, yes. So it's you, – you come back refreshed. And then if you complete the task before the 25 minutes is up, that's totally fine too. Then you start on the next task, but you have to focus on it just like you did with the previous one. Right. That is the one thing that you're focusing on, right? So when we were talking about that, I was telling her – it doesn't matter what industry you're in, right? Like it doesn't matter if you are um, a copywriter, if you are a marketing executive, if you are um, an operations manager, 25 minutes is a really short amount of time. There is nothing that needs, there is nothing so urgent that you need to stop what you're working on within that 25 minute time period, unless you are a surgeon. <laughs> yes. Like if you are in the medical industry or you are, you are in emergency services, so you are a um you are an EMT, you are a firefighter, you know, like emergency situations, yeah, 25 minutes makes a difference. But to everybody else, 25 minutes will not make or break your business except what you just said. Right. If you are well, I would say that you should write down what are your emergencies. I think exactly. They yes. I didn't they need to up. be defined. I defined yes. these a long time ago that there were only, I defined it whenever I used to own a website company because uh-huh. clients thought everything was an emergency. And so yeah. I had to define what is an emergency. And what is the, a true emergency? Company. Yeah. Yes. And, and like I said, every single business is different because That's you right. could be in the same industry depending on what your company or your business focuses on, your your critical items are very different. That's correct. <laughs> your critical emergencies are all very different. So what are yours? Um, what are mine? Honestly, there's really nothing 
with what I do that constitutes as a critical emergency. Lucky. Well, that's based on how we have defined it. Yeah. Because there is nothing. Nobody's going to die, basically. Like with what we do for operations management, nobody's going to die if something isn't done or if something is done late or whatever. The The biggest consequences are, um, yeah, you miss a deadline and now you're behind or something didn't get published. Um, or, you know, if a client is launching, then that throws off the timeline, that kind of stuff, right? Which mm-hmm. – Granted, in the grand scheme of things, or not in the grand scheme of things, but to that client, to that person that's waiting for that thing to be done, sure, that is an emergency to them. But once again, it's like, we are people, we are humans, we have lives outside of work. There is nothing in my industry that requires me to drop everything that I'm doing or whatever it is I'm in the middle of in order to go take care of something for a client, you know? That makes Um, sense, yeah. Now, will we respond to urgent situations? Sure. But once again, that that is approached with a lens of I'm looking at this thing that they're saying is really urgent and we need to take care of right away. I will... I will take a look at it and decide this can wait. <laughs> right. So in that parameter, is there anything that can stop your Palmadera session? Um, I mean, have there been things that have stopped my Pomodoro session that didn't need to be? Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah, that happens, happens all the time. Dear. Yeah, yeah, it happens all the time. So adhering to my <laughs> adhering to my definitions, um, it it can be difficult, but at the same time, you know, once again, giving yourself grace, right? Yeah. Like you can decide in that moment, okay, I will stop. I will drop everything. I will make this my priority. You can make that decision, and that is your choice. But what I'm saying the importance of defining what is your urgent situations or whatever is now you are choosing. The situation isn't making it, the situation isn't deciding for you. You are right. making the decision of if that becomes your priority or not. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the problem too, if you start letting everything urgent define your next moment, mm-hmm. then at the end of the day, you'll really wonder what you accomplished. Yeah. 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 I think it's it's really important to keep in mind. Yeah. When everything is urgent, it dilutes the definition of urgency. Even in my situation, um, sites go down sometimes. So mm-hmm. just because the site went down, I give it a beat. I'm like, okay, right. it's down. Yeah. Now let's yeah. see what happens next. Because normally... It comes back on its own. Right. Yeah. Um, And of course, we have a hack. So yeah. So I was so I was going to say, here are certain things that I would make a priority. Um, One of them I have an example of only because it did happen. So while I was volunteering at camp, 
I had sent a message or we sent an announcement to all of the clients saying that, you know, Nadja is unavailable during this week because she is volunteering as a camp counselor. So she's going to be at the campgrounds responsible for children. So there's, there's no reason why I should be on my phone, you know, responding to work related things while I'm supposed to be in charge of kids. Right. 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 But I did receive a phone call. Um, it was like three or four days into it. So three or four days into it, I received a phone call where, um, one of my clients had a situation where his wall, his locker at the gym was broken into and they stole his wallet. Oh no. And inside of his wallet was everything. Social security cards, military ID, credit cards, cash, uh, everything. So in that moment, I made the decision, this is a priority because he doesn't he doesn't know <laughs> I mean, obviously he knows how to cancel credit cards or whatever, but he doesn't know what else needs to be done. Right. Right. And sure, I could sit there and I could tell him, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. But in that moment, that is that is a time-sensitive thing, right? Because if we don't report things stolen, we can't it, – it makes it more difficult to dispute fraudulent charges. Right. And so – in that moment, I made it my priority, and then I decided this is going to be a divide and conquer situation. So I told him, you need to call this credit card company, this credit card. Like, I, I gave him a list. These are the credit right. card companies that you need to call. While you're doing that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take on these companies. Like, I will contact these companies and tell them that your, um, your identity has been stolen, basically, right? Right. Um, so we we did the divide and conquer, and because I was at camp, I also reached out for the things that I I knew that I couldn't do or I couldn't commit the time to doing. That's when you lean on other people, right? And it's like, hey, can you start this process so that when I'm done with camp and then I'm I'm back to my like my personal time, my free time, I can continue the process. So delegation happened there. And just to kind of go back to the um, conversation that we were, we started off with or the topic that we started off with in terms of we do not have the same 24 hours. Like on that day, I, I did not have the same 24 hours as everybody else. Right. I increased it because I started delegating. <laughs> so yeah, in a way I was doing multiple things at the same time, but yeah, like I didn't have to think about starting things. All I had to think about was this is what I need to do right now and then this is what I need to do later. I think, too, something along those same lines that's, that I've done in the past, um, phone a friend is incredibly important, too. Oh, because gosh, say it is so, you are a so blogger important. And mm -hmm. you're going to go on vacation. Mm -hmm. And you want to have somebody set up because there are a couple of emergencies in blogging, right? Because if yeah. your site was just down for a week and Google mm -hmm. crawled it, they're going to think your site's gone, you know? Yeah. And yep. so there are, that's a real problem. And mm -hmm. so in a circumstance like that, have a friend 
that could be your point person, have a blogger friend, someone you can trust, or just your best friend, whoever it is that's like, listen, if this thing happens, I'm going to call you and here's who you call and here's the password yes. that you need. Right. Yep. Um, and having that kind of friend can be very helpful too, because in that circumstance, even if you didn't have team, you might've had a friend that you could have said, there could be one or two emergencies that could come up yep. and, um, during the time that I'm at camp. And if those things happen, here's what I need you to do. Now, obviously right. it can't be too complex if you're calling on a friend, no. but it could be yeah. basic enough that the more, most people know how to contact customer support. Right. 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 So, um, I just thought about that because when my mom had her heart attack earlier this year, I had, you know, like 30 minutes till I was out the door to go be with my mom. Mm -hmm. And I phoned my friend, my best friend who, um, happens to build websites. So it's highly convenient for me was like, yeah, here's the info. Here's what's happening. If anything goes wrong, do this, you know? Right. And, um, I think that people should try to consider who that person could be when they have a business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think it's just a business thing though. Like I think just in life, life in general, right? Like it's sure. good to have redundancies and backup plans and an emergency, um, like an emergency response, really. That's, you know, like an in case of emergency, break the glass kind of situation. Yeah. Like yeah. I think it's so important that everybody has something like this. And I know that I'm looking at it from the standpoint of um, operationally, like this is what we build for our clients. Like we build their break the glass situation um, so that everything is there. So that's the reason why we go into a company and we audit what they currently have in place. We audit their team and what their team does. Because what we're trying to do is we're trying to um, manage, we're trying to do risk management. So if X employee or team member suddenly gets hit by a bus, who can do what they do? And if it's nobody, that's fine. Like if nobody can do what they do, that's fine. But do you have documentation in place of what they do so that somebody else who has absolutely zero experience in that department can take that that documentation and follow along with it and basically do a good enough job that it gets done, right? Right. So, So those are the kind of things that we put in place in companies, but on the personal side, that is so, 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 so important to have in place too, because if something, like I am essentially, you could call me a house manager, you can call me the family manager, you can call me, I I don't know, whatever, the CEO of the family, right? But pretty much what happens is majority of the familial responsibilities, so things related to the children fall on me because my husband, he works, I work, but he goes out of town a lot. So there's a lot of things that he cannot be present for. Um, So when the kids have activities like after school activities, he's not the one driving them around to all the different places. That is me. But you know what we do have in place? We have a family calendar where I have listed every single activity they have at the times that they have it, where it is, so the address is in there, and any additional information. So that is our backup response. So if 
if we were to switch roles, like, man, I just really need a break this week. You know, like I go to Lance and I'm like, I'm just super burnt out. Like I cannot, I can't even think about driving the kids to their piano lessons, to their tap lessons, um, to Girl Scouts. Like I can't, I can't even deal with that. It's so easy for him to be like, that's fine. I got it. I'll leave work early. No problem. And he doesn't have to ask me every five seconds, okay, well, what do they have going on today? Where is it? What time is it? Because all he has to do is pull up the family calendar and then all the information is there. Like, okay, I go here at this time. I go here at this time. I need to make sure that we bring this for this activity at this day and time or whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that's just – so that's just superficially like for activities, right? But in the emergency, emergency situations like – I get hit by a bus and I'm in a coma. (laughs) Well, I manage all of the bills, right? Like a lot of things are on auto pay, so it's not that big of a deal. But there are some things that I still have to, you know, like set up the payment or whatever it may be, right? So we we do have a – we have a home account document that has Mm -hmm. a list of every single account that we have. It's got the account numbers. It has the URL. It's got the login information. Like if you can access, um, if, if you have like online access for it or whatever, it has an estimation of like how much it is. It has a start and end date if they are things that have, you know, like if they're annual or if they're ongoing monthly or if it's like this is a thing that we pay for quarterly. Like all of that information is on a document that he and I have access to. Right. So so he will never be left not knowing where things are, what we have. Um, and the, the only reason that I, I got so, I guess, like I placed a whole bunch of importance on it is because, I mean, just thinking about it too, it was actually quite recently. Um, in 2021, the owner of the dance studio that my kids attended – she passed away. So the oh. night of the re- of the recital, we had the recital. The recital went great. Everybody, you know, cheered, took pictures, videos, whatever, congratulated her on a job well done. That evening, she passed away. It was incredibly unexpected. She said she wasn't feeling well, so she went to go lay down. Her daughter came in to check on her, and she was unresponsive. They called 911, and, you know, she she passed. Um, I think it was like a clot or something. Mm. Um, yeah, but she had been sick, right? Okay. So, um, so because of her sudden passing, yes, we were like, okay, the the dance studio, like the dance classes were over for for that like school year or for the spring for the spring season, right? Mm-hmm. But summer classes were getting ready to start. So now it was a question of, well, what happens now? Right. And nobody knew what to do. Now, I had helped with some of, like, some operational organization. Um, I, I had helped her with a couple of things that way in the past. And so the dance instructors had told her husband, because her husband had no idea. He had no clue about anything related to her business, her studio. So they told him, you need to talk to Nadja. She knows a couple of things. She may be able to help you. So he reached out to me. And when I say that it was heartbreaking watching him go through this, like 
heartbreaking doesn't even it it doesn't even like encompass how it felt because here he is mourning or trying to mourn for the sudden loss of his wife, trying to comfort their daughter. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, he's also trying to figure out, well, what happens to her business? What happens to the studio? What happens to the dance instructors that that are employed there? What happens to the students? Like he had no idea about any of that. And then he's trying to figure out like funeral arrangements. And it's just so much going on at one time. And it goes back to that mental capacity, right? Like he had no mental capacity to handle all the things at the same time. But this is why it would have been super, super, super important to have some sort of documentation of the break the glass in case of emergency. Like if something yeah. were to happen, this is this is where the studio's bank accounts are. Um, this is how often people get paid. This is the tool that we use for payroll. This is the name of the accountant and how you get in touch with them. This is the name of the company. Like those are things that looking back, it's like, oh yeah, that's like, that makes sense. That should be documented somewhere. But how many business owners actually have that? Or small business owners, let's say. How many small business owners actually have that information easily accessible in one place so that somebody can find it and be like, this is how I can manage the business because – or while, you know, this is how I can manage things or contact the people that need to be contacted while Nadja is in a coma. Yeah, I – I know that my shit is not that organized. Yeah. Yeah. So, but once again, it's not just on a work or business level. Mm -hmm. Like everybody should have the break the glass document. Right. Personally. Yeah. You're not wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but that's my soapbox. So I'm going to stop. Well, no, I mean, and and you're right because, like, Lawrence, while we were on this podcast, I saw a message from him pop up and he said that he he is taking time off of work because he has to deal with all these kind of things. So he's also a a counselor. Um, what not a psychiatrist. What is the other one? Um, it's funny because he was just telling me the difference. He's a, um, I want my brain is blanking on me. There's psychiatrist and then there oh therapist. He's a therapist. Um, Lawrence is. And so he said, you know, I can't help people when I'm struggling to get through my own circumstance. So I have to take time off work to deal with Rob's affairs and also so that I can get myself back so that I can help. Right. People. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I'm seeing this in action right now. Um Okay, good. Well that's bummer i was gonna say do we want to end it here (laughs) i know know. um i think that the thing that we should end it with is if you're struggling with time or thinking you can't get enough done um you're probably getting enough done for the capacity that you have absolutely and i think that that's something that we should all start talking about a little bit more and we are golf clapping you for (laughs) being able to do what you can do based on your current situation that's right your capacity is not the same as Elon Musk's capacity. Um, if Elon Musk had to do it by himself, this would be a much different story. So just like Gary Vee is a great example of this too, because we, if you follow Gary Vee, then you know that Gary Vee is everywhere all the time. 
Yeah. But Gary V has a team of 10 people that help him to pull that off. So if you're trying to do social media at the same capacity as Gary V, you will wake up every single day and you will fail. Yeah. Because you can't do it by yourself in that capacity. Okay. Let's end it there. Yeah. That's a great spot. Thanks everyone for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.